Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Women Who Rock with Success, a digital media source for professional and entrepreneurial women. Did you know that we can be found on Google Play, Roku TV, Amazon Fire TV, Sam's Broadcasting, Autocast, and more? Women Who Rock with Success airs live each Tuesday at 9 a.m. Central Time. Followed by our latest brand, Women Who Rock Investigates. We handpick professional women in many areas who can provide credible information in their fields to build your business and lifestyle. To learn more about us, just visit our website at www.womenwhorockwithsuccess.com. And good morning and welcome to the show on today. And thanks everyone we'd like to thank everyone for tuning in as always and thanks for the followers we appreciate it and our facebook fans um thank you so very much so today we will uh be discussing some things of course about business that's what this platform is about business and we do a little celebrity a little entertainment media as well so today in the studio we have dr tanja uh, Coleman that is here with us on today, and she's going to share with us about her brand and how she can be able to help you to be able to grow your business. So good morning, Dr. Coleman, and welcome to the platform. Good morning. It's great to be here, and, and thanks for inviting me. Okay, great. So we're going to get started by uh, telling us a little bit um, about you and um, what uh, motivated you. And, of course, we want to talk about you being one of the uh, Fortune 100 and the top 100 uh, for Fortune 500. So we we, we want to be able to um, allow the audience to be able to get a feel of you and of what you do. And so um, uh, you have the floor at this time. (laughs) <laughs> Good morning, everyone. So um, I will not bore you with all the details of my life and, and career history, um, but at a at a high level, um, I've worked for some of the major organizations, including um, Starbucks, Microsoft, Chicago Tribune Company, um, as well as um, Kindercare and um, Motorola other organizations as well and throughout my career I've always sort of had this blend of um, entrepreneurship and working in a corporate environment and so I do think for me personally both have served me well um, particularly in my new venture at Reimagine OD Inc um, because it really has helped me understand a lot of what is necessary to manage and run a business Um, As an entrepreneur, being able to take some of those lessons and apply them, but also I think now with the surge of social media, a lot of things that used to be out of reach for individuals in terms of exposure, Mm -hmm. marketing, and Mm -hmm. really being able to tell, vibrantly tell your story is now Mm -hmm. much more in our hands and in our um, possession than it used to be. We used to always have to bring on PR and marketing and all these folks to really tell your story Mm -hmm. and get it out there amongst Mm -hmm. media. But now we really Mm -hmm. have a lot of that in our own hands, at our own fingertips to do. And that's one of the areas I will talk about a little bit later is how do we really make sure our story is out there and our story is getting told. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. I think the tra- traditional way of uh, uh, marketing and networking, you know, sometimes individuals have to have had to, and some individuals continue to join, um, you know, memberships and what have you. And I think that is important as well, too, if you're trying to uh, get an audience on a local base um, type of exposure. But I think uh, social media branding is also uh, leading the way as to how individuals are marketing their brand. So um, great response, real good. So um, what was your passion that drove you to this? You know, everybody has a different uh, passion as to why they um, decided to um, launch into this new adventure and what caused them to be able to pursue it. Absolutely. I think, you know, just my upbringing as a child and hearing the stories from my mom around um, social justice, she was very much part of the civil rights movement. Um, She uh, became a teacher and then social worker. So I always had that foundation of helping others, but also knowing that there were disparities. Not everyone had equal opportunity um, based on whatever circumstances their their family life um, gave to them or their life when they were at school um, or did they have disparities that were educational disparities that would later cause them to have issues as they try to go to college and try to do other things in their life. So that was really the foundation. But then as I entered into um, corporate America, I really saw a lot of those distinctions. You saw a lot of inequity. You saw a lot of um, what I would call corporate environmental injustices. And witnessing that, and and particularly being on the HR side, um, you really, my role was to help mitigate some of that. And I was very successful Mm -hmm. in doing that. However, the the Mm -hmm. problem is that I had to do that. (laughs) And it took me away from other work that I could have been doing uh, to move the organization forward, right? And so Mm -hmm. really my passion was to bring more awareness around those inequities. And on the other side of that, making sure that particularly women and women of color had opportunity to be as successful as they could be because they had the tools by which to do so. And a lot of cases, those tools, the same tools aren't provided. And so you're really trying to figure things out where other people already have an outline and template books and PowerPoints to really tell them what to do. And you're over here really trying to figure it all out on your own. And it really puts you from a career perspective at a disadvantage. And how can we sort of close that gap so that women and women of color can start to really realize what their true potential is. And in particular, we, you know, there's a lot of celebration. This is, we just rolled off Black History Month. We are in Women's History Month now. Next month is Diversity Month. And we really, everyone's kind of taken in and putting on their party hats because we have Mm -hmm. one Mm -hmm. African-American woman CEO effective this month, which is Rosalind Brewer at Walgreens. And there's a lot of celebration and it should be. But the point is, Mm -hmm. there's so much celebration because she's the only one that's really, you know, shattered that ceiling and is in that role. And so how, how did she get there? And then how can we have others in position and ready 
to take over the helm at the same level. And that's what I want to do. I want to put more people in play. I think in the African-American community, there's truly probably 10 folks that everyone goes to. There are multiple boards. Mm -hmm. They're always moving up in their career. But we need that broadened. We need to have more Mm -hmm. individuals viewed in the same way and give them the Mm -hmm. same opportunity so that they can continue to move forward and we can continue to have better representation, not only within organizations, but the representation needs to reflect their customer base and our population as a whole, right? And and I talk about, uh, we can talk about a little bit later also, what that might mean for us as consumers. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, you know, when it comes to women of color, we can, you know, be able to hit that a little bit. When it comes to women of color, I think that some of uh, uh, our uh, downfalls may be procrastination. Uh, we may feel that we may not have enough to be able to uh, be who we desire to be. So which leads me to the next question. Uh, what would you tell to a woman that is starting a brand new business? This is something that she is starting up. She's already enough, but she may not know that she's enough. Okay, because we as African-American women, we have to come out strong even the more. There are a lot of successful uh, African-American women that are in position. They are in uh, a lot of areas. Um, I think FedEx just announced their, I'm not for sure if she's the president or the vice president of the FedEx uh, division. Uh, And so women have to work. We have to work hard as to no one is going to give you anything. They're not going to hand it to you. And and so what would you tell a, a woman that has this brilliant idea and she's trying to start up a business? What, how would you lead her into challenging uh, the aspect that you need to run with this? Yes, there's, there's a lot of aspects to it, and um, I, I want to be very clear around those. So. I'll, I'll describe what I'm seeing happening now and maybe how, mm-hmm. how ideally we should all be going about this. <laughs> so what I see okay. happening okay. now is <laughs> um, women, and particularly African-American women, we're the lion's share of new entrepreneurial businesses in the country, period. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is there's this disenfranchisement within corporate America and within roles in general. So African-American women are really figuring out, hey, I can take my talent and maybe better utilize it and have an opportunity not to be marginalized if I start my own business. Um, And that's wonderful. Where we have challenges is that less than 1% of African-American women receive access to venture capital, for instance. Very few have a business account. Very few have really made the appropriate financial safety net to run a business with the idea that one in three businesses fail, and most people that have a successful business have tried at it at least three times before it was actually profitable. Um, Also, given the fact that the lion's share of African-American entrepreneurial businesses earn less than $50,000 a year. 
So those are all things to take into consideration. However, I know that there's this level of frustration and you get tired of being passed over for the promotion. You get tired of having your idea stolen and someone else, you know, ad-libs the same thing. And it's a great idea when you initially said that exact same option or solution to a problem. And we've all Mm -hmm. seen it happen in meetings or you're just ignored. Um, there mm-hmm. is a sense of frustration with that. And so you can go out on your own. But I would say in, for individuals that plan on doing that, don't do it based on emotion only. Take a pause. <laughs> take a few vacation okay. days. And mm-hmm. really map out what your vision is. What do you want your organization to be? What problem is it solving? How can you help solve that problem? How will you monetize your idea who will you go to? What are who might be your first client, or who might you run this by to get their feedback, and and so that you can be in position to have clients immediately. And also, what is your financial situation? Are you offering a product or a service? Most of the time, if you're offering a service, there might not be a lot of upfront cost for you. If it's a product that you have mm-hmm. to have manufactured, then you have to start thinking about the cost. What would it be manufactured? What's the shipping cost? What is all of that going to encompass so that you're ready when it hits you? Um, also, how are you going to market this business? Um, how are you going to make yourself either more visible on social media or bring on professionals that can help you navigate through those, through those various nuances? And then last but not least, how much do you feel customers are willing to pay for your product or your service? Mm-hmm. And those are really important things. And oftentimes they're not fully mapped out because people don't necessarily think about it. You see the large companies like Amazon and Apple and Microsoft, and it all seems like mm-hmm. you know they're clicking on all cylinders and it's very easy, but it's really not. You know, Jeff Bezos started that organization in a garage you know, he had to have mm-hmm. investors and people helping, right? Um, mm-hmm. Same thing mm-hmm. with Bill Gates. Same thing when Steve Jobs initially rejoined Apple. He was initially fired and they brought him back. Um, so, so you have to, what we see as the veneer of something, you have to really look underneath that and see what's really going on and see that that foundation is there before that veneer is put on, so to speak. Um, so those are the things that I would suggest. I also think that uh, there is this uh, sense of, you know, women in general know a lot, but we don't say we know a lot. We're very apprehensive about putting things out there about our successes mm-hmm. and what we're doing. And a lot of that stems from, I think, culturally, our society says women shouldn't boast. You know, we should be more demure. Um, we should be more proper and um, more humble. And so there's a lot of great things that women do. And I'll, I'll say I'm guilty of it myself, right? I don't put everything <laughs> out that I do and all my successes. Or I don't tell all my friends about everything that I do or even my family. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I don't, but I have a mouthpiece and my mouthpiece is my mom. So she makes sure everyone knows. Oh. So... But I think as women, we just have to become more comfortable with celebrating our successes 
And mm-hmm. we have to be able to do that in an open platform so that more individuals know what you're up to and what you're doing. And I think one of the things that I've been able to navigate fairly well is my speaking engagements. And so people oftentimes reach out to me to speak. That's how folks find out about me. And that's how they know kind of what I'm up to, what I'm doing, a lot more about my background and history than they knew. Um, But Mm -hmm. also, Mm -hmm. I I write a lot. I'm a researcher as a PhD. I'm a researcher. So if you Google me, you can find lots of information. And that's not the case for everyone. And some folks have just a blank slate. If you Google them, you don't see Mm -hmm. anything, really. And they're not actively on LinkedIn or Instagram or Facebook or anything about their business. It might be social, Mm -hmm. but not about what they do. And I always tell women and everyone in general, this goes for everyone, both genders, you should really have some information out there. Even if you have a corporate job, if you are working as an essential frontline worker, you should be telling stories about your experience and what you're doing, because that might, even if you don't want to become an entrepreneur, if that's not your jam and you might not want to do that, it'll help Mm -hmm. people see what you're doing in your current role and say, wow, that person might be great for my company. They were able to solve this problem or they were able to do this. And another piece that I feel folks get hung up on a title, right? Um, I see everyone as a leader. I see when I'm in Target, the, the checkout cashier, he or she is a leader. They are leading that process. They are keeping that line moving. They are dealing with people who sometimes aren't always nice and friendly. And then conversely, they're dealing with people and making conversation and friendly conversation with those folks that are open to it. They are leaders. They need to be telling those mm-hmm. stories and how how they have helped people and how they have gotten people through a really tough time in a pandemic. But you don't see a lot of that. You see the people on social media that are aligned with titles and calling themselves thought leaders. <laughs> but those mm-hmm. aren't the people at mm-hmm. this day when the pandemic hit that we were relying on. We were relying on the nurses, the doctors, the, the frontline workers, the individuals that went into work at the grocery store, the truck drivers, the Uber drivers, all those people are folks we were depending on. But those aren't the people our society really relishes. So they need to start telling mm-hmm. those stories so that more people really understand the gravity of the work that they do and this country could not function without them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I wanted to point out uh, uh, one thing that was very, very key point as to what you had relayed to the audience, and that's in regards to you have to, as women or any type of business owner, you have to make make a patent for your name. Patent. You have to uh, be able to, because, uh, which is going to lead me to the next question, you know, a lot of individuals, they build their brands off of Facebook Live. And that's okay, but I do believe that that is not an effective way for an individual to be able to build a um, a brand or build a strategy from having Facebook Live videos. So take, for example, what if you have an audience that have a, a different type of genre? You may have someone on there for business. You may have family on there. You may have someone that's in the religious sector. You may have someone on there that is, is a politi- of a political sector. Everybody that's on that Facebook target is not going to be able to – it's not going to be able to meet – 
what it is that they are trying to convey over to an audience. So we want to talk about that, about social media marketing and how important it is more in depth as to, you know, where we need to start versus where everyone else is going. I don't build a platform because everyone else is doing Facebook Live. What works for them may not work for me. And so that is something that um, sometimes women need to be taught when they're starting out as a business. Or even if, I mean, I would think that a corporate America um, professional would know better, but sometimes those that that have a brilliant idea may not. Right, and if, if really your area is that marketing, it is, it can be very foreign. And I will say that even about myself, when I went into, you know, my entrepreneurial business, this is my, um, my third run of it. I had my first business in my, in my early 20s and was very successful at it, but quickly realized that I needed to go back in-house and learn and access myself, well, learn and have access to more tools and more information Mm -hmm. to build an even better organization. And so I did, I went back in house at a corporate, large corporate organization and was able to have several promotions within that organization that helped move my career, continue moving my career. And then I decided I would go back for my master's degree and then eventually went back for my PhD before setting out on my own again. And the marketing piece was one that I was a little foreign to myself in terms of individual marketing. And it's one of those situations as an entrepreneur, I think it's always evolving. You're always learning (laughs) and you're always trying to make sure that you are getting the right target audience. And sometimes you might, you, it might get to a point where you need some external expertise. You need Um, a PR individual. You need someone to help you with the content on your social media. You might need someone to help you with lead generation and marketing, those sorts of things. All those things, though, have a cost to them. And so if you have a business that's not profitable, you can't afford the cost. And so you have to figure out how to do some of these things yourself. And I would say YouTube and books, are your best friend when you're starting out a business and you don't have money for a true PR person or a true marketing person. Grab yourself a couple clients where you start generating revenue and then you can kind of up level, up level, up level. It's kind of like when, when you start out as a young adult and you might, you know, you're going into the workplace. Well, back in the day, you were going mm-hmm. into the workplace and you had to look mm-hmm. a certain way. So your first suit might cost a hundred bucks because you didn't have a lot of money. And then as you continue to ascend in your career, you know, you might be able to, to afford the nicer, the St. John. But, you know, it's an evolution and it's steps and levels to everything. And you're not just going to, most people don't come out of the gate just knocking everything down. It really takes word of mouth. It takes building your reputation, building your presence. As far as social media, though, I think that you you have to try everything out and see what works for you and see what's comfortable okay. for you. Because there's nothing okay. worse than seeing someone on social media, whether it's written or video, and you, you know it's painful for them. They're not comfortable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you you right. can sense it, and it really knocks with their confidence, <laughs> and it really kicks out their message that they're trying to, to convey because no one's buying it because you look 
you visibly look uncomfortable or your written word is such that it appears that you're not as confident in what you're saying and what you're trying to sell okay. someone else. So I would say for individuals, just try out multiple platforms and make sure that you're trying to be present on at least more than one. So a lot of entrepreneurs also, and I'll say I'm guilty of this myself, become very reliant on one platform. And that's not good. <laughs> you really okay. need to okay. be on multiple platforms because Absolutely. there are certain rules and mistakes that happen where they have erased people's accounts or they kick you out for any reason and you are lost. If your business is built around one platform and you no longer have access to that platform or the people that were following you or connected mm-hmm. to you, you're in real trouble. Um, you have to mm-hmm. rebuild that someplace else. And I've seen it happen to people um, on LinkedIn and Instagram and other platforms where they may say something that they didn't view as controversial or they're being their whole authentic self and just think they can say whatever, or you cannot. And they will, they will mm-hmm. suspend your account. And you have to be aware oh. of that. And when they do, you lose, you lose every, you lose all your connections, all your followers. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't mm-hmm. researched it enough to know if you can ever go back and rebuild again. From what I've seen of those people that have been removed, I have not seen them come back on that particular oh, platform. Wow. One thing to to remember, you know, and and I know a lot of the particularly LinkedIn, there's a lot of. Um, people in the business world talking different things around politics and, and that's fine, but you have to make sure it doesn't cross the line. And there have been a few, there have been a few people that really crossed racial lines saying things that were maligning and disrespectful mm-hmm. and with accordingly mm-hmm. and rightfully. And so you do have to mm-hmm. for me those platforms are for mainly for business. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I keep my message around what I'm doing, what I'm up to, what the world is at large. Of course, there's political things that, that you do want to comment on because it's not offensive. It shouldn't mm-hmm. be offensive to anyone, right? Um, the murder of right. George Floyd, um, Breonna Taylor, those sorts of things, right? Mm-hmm. Those are realities that happen. Absolutely fine. Right. But then some folks really... Um, are saying you can post something like that and other people reply very racist comments and things and they will mm. get suspended so I, I you know that's one thing yeah. you have to think about too is trying to it, it's no different than when you look at your uh, investment portfolio right you don't put all your stock in one company well you shouldn't so you divest right. it's the same thing with social media you divest and you have to have different platforms that you're expressing um, yourself on that you have presence on, and then we also witness um, platforms completely going out, right? Like um, MySpace and things like that. They don't even exist goodness. anymore. A lot of the platforms right. that that kind of kickstarted this whole thing, they don't exist anymore. And so you also have to think of the livelihood of a platform. Like what's the life cycle of a social media platform before something else mm-hmm. comes up? kind of knocks it down and it's no longer as relevant and you have to start someplace else. Um, I would say TikTok is one of those and I feel like it's taken a little bit of market share from Instagram. Instagram had the reels and the lives 
and now a lot of folks go to TikTok, right? So um, okay. we we always have to be thinking of, of those things as well. And it's tough thinking of all of that while you're building a business, engaging clients. When you have clients following through on their needs and deliverables and what they need, continuing with your mm-hmm. own presence so that you can continue to build more clients as those roll off to keep finances rolling through. And then you'll get to the point where you realize that you need other help administratively. And so how do you Mm -hmm. do that? Um, Do you use a virtual assistant? Do you kind of use someone that you know to help you out? Um, What what does that look like? And then do you have the finances to bring on someone to your team um, to to be able to assist you? Or you you find someone that believes in your dream and is willing to... um, maybe work part-time or hourly to help you support your mm-hmm. dream and not looking for a whole full-time salary. So those are things that you have to think about that most people don't until they're in the throes of it and then you're trying to figure it out while you're still trying to make money to support your lifestyle, right, and, and support mm-hmm. yourself and your children. So it, it is um, oftentimes I find that people are in these conundrums and they typically reach out to me on LinkedIn when they are, and um, they haven't thought about them ahead of time. So one of the things that I really um, prepare women for, and really anyone that asks, is what, what is what does that look like? And it's hard for someone to tell you that when they haven't been through it themselves. So no one can tell you what it's mm-hmm. like being an entrepreneur if they've never been one. <laughs> right? That's it's just right. impossible. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. Uh, And in regards to what you were saying about uh, our content of what we say and how we say it and where we use it, you know, we have to make sure that, as you stated, we don't uh, draw the line. I mean, we have to draw the line as to, you know, what we can say and what we can be able to do. You know, I was uh, making mention on a panel back here about a month ago how they went in, uh, YouTube had went in and they uh, suspended Dr. Drew's account. Oh, I don't want to laugh at him because I love Dr. Drew. I love investigations and mysteries, and so uh, we have to be, uh, you know, we have to be careful, and, and especially when we're professionals, we have to keep ethical, you know, we have to we have to know our ethical practices, our ethical um, attitudes and behavior as to how we address and come over, uh, you know, digital media platforms. So that is very very important. Great response that you gave. So we're going to get into the last segment, and we're going to talk about reimagine. So we want to discuss um, uh, the fact as to how you came up with that name. What is significant about reimagine to your people, to your audience, to your brand, to your world? Well, the the name was very. Um, organic at the time, although I'm, I'm hearing it everywhere now. Everyone's reimagining something. <laughs> well, when I came up with that name, you didn't hear it um, hardly ever, and it was over four years ago. And really, okay. for me, being in corporate America, being a CHRO, being um, a leader in the HR space, I saw things that I felt could be done better. But sometimes, you can't because you're literally handcuffed because, you know, you have a board of directors, mm-hmm. you have shareholders, you have um, leaders that, you know, are a, a, the CEO, for instance. So you have individuals that may put the brakes on some of your innovation and your vision. And so when I came up with Reimagine, it was really about reimagining, reimagining what's here. Okay. How can we make 
better? How can we engage in process improvement? How can we make the employee work experience much more um, useful and much more humanistic, right? How can we make sure that we are helping the whole person that's here in this office and not just the professional person? Because the whole person is the person that walks through that door, right? They walk through that door regardless if they've had an argument with their spouse, if they've had a tough time getting their kids out of bed to get them to school, um, if they're taking care of aging parents, all of that walks through that door, not just the financial analyst or not just the product manager, right? All those Mm -hmm. things walk through. So how can we make sure we're taking care of our team members and being fair and equitable and getting to know who they are as people and as professionals? And then where do they want to go? So when I thought of reimagine organization development, organization development is really just looking at organizations from a psychological and behavioral perspective and saying these are things we can change to make work better and reimagining that piece. And so it's much <laughs> it's much easier to digest when I explain it that way than the title itself. Sometimes if people don't know what OD is, OD is all about people. It, it's people. It's looking mm-hmm. at behaviors and psychology and industrial psychology and all of those things. Um, even psychometrics is involved in there because there's so many assessments being used now in the talent acquisition process and in promote, promotion decisions. So that's really was the genesis of it, that I saw a lot of things that I wanted to improve that I felt I could do better and I could do it better from the outside than being on the inside. Because on the inside, you're also only working for one client, one employer. But now I have the opportunity to work with many, helping them build their organization culture to such that their employees, they're retaining their team members, they're able to really promote internally, um, and they're able to have team members that are constantly evolving and growing and mentoring and being mentored and having sponsors and understanding what all those things are, and also giving people voice, and I think that's really important as well. So that was really mm-hmm. the, the idea behind me stepping out um, and building my, building my business and also the impact that I'm looking at having in terms of working with clients who've never celebrated um, Black History Month. What does that mean? And giving them access and information around Black history and our, our brilliant innovators, um, whether it was in medicine or astrology or, you know, even culinary, right? How do we get information to folks to start changing their perspective? And that perspective then helps them in decision-making in that organization. Okay, 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 great. So um, we've got a couple more questions. And um, so the next question is in regards to the importance of an individual having a brand strategist, having a leadership strategist, having a coach strategist. A lot of times women entrepreneurs, they attempt to be able to do it all by themselves. Sometimes uh, uh, when individuals start out uh, with an idea and what have you, they look in the wrong sources. And of course, you know, as you stated, 
if you don't have the money, of course, you're looking for platforms that are going to be able to help you to be able to do it for free. But when you begin to grow and mature in your stage growth in business, you're going to have to eventually reach out to someone that is going to have to hold your hand uh, while um, the business is trying to uh, take a different leap, you know, for success. So um, share with us the importance of an individual hiring a leadership strategist, a brand strategist, a coach strategist to be able to help to guide them in the right direction for success. Well, one of the things that I tell budding entrepreneurs while they're employed is to start doing some of this while they have sort of that consistent compensation coming in the door. So if you can carve out um, funds for a leadership develop, external leadership development program or um, mm-hmm. an executive mm-hmm. coach, that start doing those sorts of things, building the foundation while you have that consistent compensation coming in. And then when you go out on your own, you, you have a better sense of what you might do and how you might do it. Um, because once you get out there and you don't really have a great client portfolio, it's going to be a struggle. And um, there's a lot you can Google. There's a lot of books out there. But it still can be difficult, and it takes time. And sometimes what mm-hmm. professionals you that you don't necessarily have yourself is access to. Sometimes it's really about access. How do you get access to promote your message to the right people that will put you mm-hmm. in the right places so that you can start building your business? So sometimes you just don't have the access to those sorts of folks, you know, getting in front of certain individuals that can really help you grow your business. And so mm-hmm. those are the things I try to tell budding entrepreneurs is to start chipping away at some of those things before you go completely out on your own. Know at what stage in your business that you might need to bring on a public relations per, uh, professional to really help you craft and, and build your message in a more succinct and consistent way. When do you need to start thinking about lead generation or something like uh, constant contact or Salesforce? And can you afford those entities? So those are the sorts of things you have to start thinking about before you start your business. But I know a lot of people start the business and think about it afterwards. And that's okay, too. You know, really focus on, you know, getting a couple clients in so you have some revenue and you can start to do some of these things. And you'll most entrepreneurs, too, find that when they complete their taxes, for instance, they don't realize how much they have actually spent in expenses, right? Whether it's mm-hmm. a coach or your, your photography, because now on social media, a lot of it is about, you know, identifying your brand with who you are as a person. People have to trust you. And that includes pictures and things of that nature. And so you just can't take your standard <laughs> typical selfies anymore. You really need to have professional pictures, a professional picture on LinkedIn, one that's clear. Also, when you're doing projects, even like the two of us talking right now, right? Mm-hmm, the thought was, mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. do you have a high-resolution picture that I can use to promote this particular discussion? These are things people will ask you for, even if you're doing podcasts, if you're doing talks. 
you need that. So you can't just use your, your fuzzy, you know, selfie. You right. have to have, right. you have to invest in these things that really make your brand seem professional and make your brand mm-hmm. one that people want to be aligned with. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I agree. I agree. Um, a lot of times uh, we have had a lot of individuals, over probably 300 um, guests that have been on the show, a little bit more than that. But uh, when someone sends me a, a picture and the picture is kind of outdated, I will have to go back to the PR in order to get a better uh, and sometimes it may be to the fact that people are just busy i'm not for sure what it is but a crisp picture will tell a lot about the individual to their own audience so um, i mean i agree absolutely with that so with the last question let the listeners know how they can be able to find you you can also be able to share any upcoming features that you may have to your brand and you can also share your website and any other uh, books that you may have published or you're going to be publishing in the future, as well as um, any uh, classes that you are sponsoring um, uh, that are upcoming uh, for Reimagine. Yes, so lots going on over at Reimagine, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. So. Um, actually, I will be um, in mid-April launching my leadership development program, which will really focus on executive women who are, who are driven, who are confident, who know that they want more and can do more, either in their professional, entrepreneurial, or even personal lives, and how can they get there. And it'll be a multi-month program, and they will have access to executive coaching, interpersonal assessments and all of those sorts of things and one of the reasons once again why I reimagine this piece is oftentimes women and even more critically women of color are left out of high potential programs they're not included in those so there they many professional african-american women and women as a whole will tell you that they've never had access to an executive coach they they outside of strength finders they probably haven't taken a real robust interpersonal Mm -hmm. assessment. And Mm -hmm. what does that mean for your career? How do you then avoid career derailers? And the same career derailers you have in a company, you'll have as an entrepreneur most of the time. So don't Mm -hmm. think that just because you have your own business, you're working for yourself and you're dusting your shoulders off and feeling real proud. Your clients aren't your employer. <laughs> you know, I hear a lot of people say, oh, when I become an entrepreneur, I'm, I'm working for my mm-hmm. Yeah, you are, but you mm-hmm. still have deliverables to a client. You're still working Absolutely. for someone, and don't get that confused. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> or you will be sitting with a lot of ego and no funds coming in. So, um, really, <laughs> I hear you laughing. Um, <laughs> really, uh, building building a platform by which women can learn to step into their greatness even more through branding strategies, mm-hmm. through really providing them the framework for entrepreneurship if that's what they want, or building them the framework to continue to ascend in their corporate environment, and really uh, being able to assist them in, in that way and give them the tools to be successful in a multi-month period that's not going to break the bank for them financially, but really will mm-hmm. give them the access to a lot of information, data, and 
camaraderie and information sharing that they don't generally have access to. So that'll be happening in April, mid-April. And also another area that I'm reimagining is um, the racial equity piece within organizations. And so I'm really, I'm starting to do a workshop that'll kick off in the week of April 12th around really best practices for talking race equity at work and beyond. Now, how do you feel comfortable talking about race issues, talking about social issues? Um, what is the vernacular? How do you feel comfortable in that space? And really working people through what that means and what it entails and what their role can be and how can they activate mm-hmm. in that space, in the workplace. Because now there isn't this separation of work in your life. It's a convergence now. And you have to be able to navigate these conversations. And we see it even more so today than ever right in Georgia, right? Companies are being called Mm -hmm. out to speak on some of these political injustices that are happening or their, you know, legislation that will absolutely Mm -hmm. stop for particular groups. And folks are saying, okay, we understand this is a social, community, political thing, but hey, company big companies that we do business with, that we spend our dollars with, we are holding you accountable for helping Mm -hmm. us with your strength and your money and your leverage and your lobbyists. Right. Right. this down. Everyone has still can have free reign to vote. So now companies Mm -hmm. are being called out. They have to begin and the leaders have to begin to feel comfortable in these different social spaces and political spaces and community-related spaces because eventually, and what should be happening, and I think there will be a bullhorn that's going off really soon around organizations that are deaf to what's happening in the communities that they do business with. And so I'm like, okay, how can I reimagine this? Because when the incident with George Floyd happened, I felt it really... The same message had been, we've been saying the same message for years, right? But it mm-hmm. seemed like with the George Floyd incident, it was a convergence of a lot of things at one time. A, people were at home. They could see this multiple times from different angles. They couldn't understand mm-hmm. why. And they heard all the, the stories around it and how those stories were conflicting, too. So mm-hmm. it gave an opportunity for people to start scratching their heads and going, my gosh, this is really bad. Is this what's been happening that everyone's been talking about? How can I help? <laughs> and so you saw companies coming out with these statements and money and all these things, but they still have this discomfort in having the real conversations with their team members or having the, or other leaders within the organization having those conversations. So this is what that's about, and it's a, it's a workshop um, I, with this type of work for me personally, I like to do workshops. I think training is great, but you don't get the same level of interactivity and, and discussion and a true training that I want to pull out in this workshop. And I've done it a few times and people loved it. And so I thought I would take it and make it more open to any individual just that want to know about this, and maybe, they're, maybe their employer is not willing to pay for 15 people to go through this, but they're willing to mm-hmm. pay for one person to, to go through and have a better understanding that truly has an interest in it. And um, so that will be rolling out the week of April 12th. Okay. 
Okay, okay, great. We have really enjoyed you, Dr. Coleman, on today, giving us these tools and resources that entrepreneurs, corporate America women, and also some actors can be able to take hold of this information that you have shared on our platform on today. So we thank you again for being our guest and in the studio on today. So audience, for all the coming events, of course, you can go to our website. It's womenwhorockwithsuccess.com. So once again, thank you, Dr. Coleman, and have a great day. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.